0: 1 Corinthians the 8th chapter 1 Corinthians 8th chapter is 13 verses I'll be reading from the new king james version this morning and now or now concerning things offered to idols we know that we all have knowledge knowledge puffs up but love edifies And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other god but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled but food does not condemn us to God for neither for neither if we eat are we the better nor if we do not eat are we the worse but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating In an idol's temple will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and and in his name I pray, amen. Amen. Now if you've studied or if you've looked at, at the book of First Corinthians, you know we're in the portion right here where the Apostle Paul is answering questions from a letter that the church has written to him. Uh, the beginning of uh, he doesn't get around to it till chapter seven it, it makes uh, a statement now concerning the things of which you wrote me and in Chapter seven, if you read that, he's addressing and talking about marriage and and all of those things that deal with that. And now in chapter eight, he addresses a question that quite possibly was this: Can Christians eat meat that have been sanctified, that have been sacrificed to idols? Now, uh, our question today might be this: where, where does meat come from? Because I can remember years, years ago, I was kind of wondering about this because I was like, "Wait a minute! If, if this is a burnt offering, what what are they, what are they, what are they selling? How do they, what do you mean meat is, sacri- uh, is This is it? Cooked meat? Is it? You know what is this? And, and so I was a little bit confused about it. But understand this: that that the the offering that was brought to the to the false priest in a false temple to a false god was divided into three parts. One part was to be placed on the offering to be burned to the idol, to the false god. One part was to be given back to the the one who gave it, and then they could do what they wished to do with it. Some of them would even have a, a meal or a feast right there in the idol's temple. The other portion was given to the priest as an offering or a payment to him, you see. And so what was happening is so many sacrifices, so many offerings were being made, the priest, there's no way he could use all this meat. And so what happened? They had a marketplace there in the idol temple to sell the meat. And, and that's not surprising because even in the house of the Lord, what did Jesus have to do? He had to go in and clean house because they were selling and trading and doing stuff in God's house. But in an idol's temple, just can you imagine what that marketplace was like? And so this is, this, this is that meat, that, that portion that, that was there that the priests were, were making money. Making money. And and it was usually offered at a price that was cheaper than you could get out in the streets in the local market in the town. You know, undercut the price, we've got to get rid of this meat, gotta make money. And and so and understand, I'm, I'm gonna use Paul's language here because Paul talks about the strong and the weak. The stronger, and the weaker. It's it's Paul's language. And and so, uh, perhaps, mature, less mature, perhaps. The strong, the weak. And so, the the stronger members of the church realize that idols are what? (laughs) They're nothing. They're they're a piece of stone, or a piece of wood. It's got a carving on it. It's nothing. It's dead. can do nothing. And, And so, this, this false idol, this piece of wood, that piece of stone, it can't contaminate that food. It can't do anything to that food that would harm you if you eat it. And so the strong uh, uh, members of the church, the strong Christians, would, would go and, and purchase the cheaper meat. You know, it just, just seemed wise. You know, if you can buy something at a cheaper price and save money, I'm all about a bargain myself. I don't know about you. If you can save money buying something over something else, will you do that. The strong Christian understood this. And, and if a because here's here's the mixture, you gotta understand, people were just coming to faith, people were just coming out of idol worship, and some people were still in this stuff. And a lot of these people that were becoming new converts in Christ still had family, still had friends, still perhaps business acquaintances or business partners, they're still in this stuff. And so they say, well, hey, come on over for supper. You see, well, you, you pretty much know where they got their meat. And so for the stronger Christian, the mature, meat's meat. They go with good conscience and, and would go and, and eat at, at the uh, uh, table. If, if they were invited to the house, they would even go to that temple Because what's an idol? It's nothing. They would go to there. If there was a feast there or or say a wedding, they would go and, and be a part of that because they knew that a false god or an idol is nothing. It's wood. It's stone. It's a dead thing. No life. It is nothing. But all of this offended the weaker Christian. Why? Well, many of them had just came out of this idol worship, this pagan idolatry, and they wanted nothing to do with anything that was even remotely associated with an idol any longer. You see that. And they couldn't understand why their fellow believers would want to have anything to do with this meat that had been sacrificed for idols. They couldn't understand it. Do you see the problem? One side is offended at even the thought of idol meat. The other side shrugging their shoulders going, what's the big deal? It's meat. What's an idol? It's nothing. What's the big deal here? And I mentioned a wedding. Well, here, consider, here's a a wedding that's going to take place. And you get an invitation to go. And perhaps it's even someone in your family or a dear friend, and you know, as as a weaker, as one of the weaker, that meat that's been sacrificed to idols is going to be there at that wedding. Well, what do you do? Well, you, you pretty much only have two choices: you don't go, even though it could be a family member. You don't go, or you go and you don't eat. You know, that, that's kind of your choices. The, the, the stronger would go and and, and eat and, and enjoy perhaps a joyous occasion, though they would not partake of any idol worship. But they would go in there and be a part of that. So you, you see there, there's a potential for division in the church. Can we all see that? Okay, that so the, the, the and the leaders are asking Paul. For counsel. Now, just in case you're sitting there going, what's this got to do with us meat being offered to idols? Listen, that's not the big picture here, you see. we're, We're facing liberty in Christ. How do we handle our liberty in Christ? Because in different ages of time. Different seasons of time, years of time, different issues and different problems arise. Can we all say amen to that? Different things arise at different points in history. And today, no, we're not concerned in this country about, oh, am I going to eat meat that's been offered to idols? No, we're we're not concerned about that. But but the bigger picture of this, the wider thing, is how do we handle our our Christian liberty in the midst of other issues of life that do come up? Born-again believers having differing views, different convictions over certain issues, which there is no clear Thing in scripture that gives a mandate one way or the other that there wasn't anything in a word that would tell these people don't eat that meat or to say it's okay you know and Paul is trying to clarify that and so today what's some issues today well let, let me just go to some of the biggies well should a, should or can a Christian drink alcohol and you, you You got division on that? Or 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 how about this? Or or can you go to a restaurant that serves alcohol? You see? How about how how about this here? Okay, now how about smoking? Well, uh, smoking, most people would say, oh yeah, that man, we got a history of that smoking stuff. That's bad for you. That's gonna, that's gonna ruin your lungs. But, but now we're in a new age. You see, there's a different problem. What's it? Vaping. You're hearing about it on the news. Was it okay for a Christian to vape? You, you see, the, the issues and the, and the problems change. And, and, and you could go keep going. <laughs> Styles of music. <laughs> you, you could, my nephew plays keyboard down in Meadow Heights. Some of you would go down to Meadow Heights and you would run out of there screaming because that's rock and roll. You would. And and Donnie's up there praising the Lord. He didn't used to play. He just started playing that thing a couple years ago. And praise the Lord, he's up with, with, with a praise and worship band serving the Lord, you see. Different styles of music division over what what she can listen to how about uh, differences over over wearing makeup how about your clothes yeah you gonna be the fashion police how about dancing Oh, oh that's that's of the devil oh, what? Bible says dancing to the Lord I, I, I don't know oh how about how about card playing oh that's 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 casting lots. That's gambling. You can't can't be a part of that. Oh, it's, it's, we're just having playing a game. We're just having some fellowship. Just having some fun. How about that? Oh, should a believer have a television in their home? Oh, that, oh, that's terrible. Can't can't have that. All the garbage garbage in. Can't can't do that. Oh yeah yeah. And I heard it mentioned. Oh, can a Christian or observe Christmas or, or Easter? How about that one? Yeah, can we use instruments? There's churches. No, you can't do that. Can we go to a movie theater? How long should a guy's hair be? Now, I'm going to tell a story. Because, and I know you younger ones won't believe this, I used to have hair. (laughs) Okay? I wasn't always 65. I, I used to be young with hair. I didn't have it long, but I, uh, but I, I, but I had hair. And, and, and here's the story. I was 18 years old. Consider the time when I was 18. We're, we're, we're talking early 70s. You know, we just came out of the 60s. <laughs> so I'm looking at some of your older ones. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You come out of the 60s, man, that's the hippies. That's the bell bottoms, that's the all this stuff. That's when we were in high school. And so all of this, this trend. And in the early 70s, you know, my my hair was it was a little longer than it is now, and it came down a little bit over my ears. It wasn't long, it wasn't down on my shoulders. It, it was cut. And and I was singing with a little Southern gospel trio. And we were invited always invited by church to, to come and sing at this church. We're there. I am back at the trailer. We're unloading stuff. And I notice somebody comes and gets Kurt, and the oldest guy and usually the spokesman in the group, and takes him aside. And they're having this discussion and talk. Gordon and I are trying to get stuff ready, get it out of the trailer, get ready to carry it in, get set up. Here comes Kurt and say, put, just put it back in the trailer. They looked at me and said, his hair's too long. We can't have him behind our podium. Here, let, here we've, 1 Corinthians 11, 14. It's not that they didn't have a verse they could go to. Understand that. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? Okay? Their interpretation, their conviction was that if a man's hair covered any portion of his ear, it was too long and a dishonor to him, and they couldn't have that in their church. Now, and you can look at these... Later, And some of you can look at them and laugh. This is me at 18, 19, yeah. And, and here's this, within about three or four years, this is the pictures of me. And I'm going to lay them down here afterwards if you want to look at them. And that that is the hairdo that would not allow me to sing in this, I'm going to say it, fundamental baptist church times and seasons right things differ different times different some things are the same and will always be but then there are new and different problems differing views differing opinions different convictions different interpretation what's right what's wrong paul Tell us how to deal with secondary issues. Because that's what it was and that's what it is, isn't it? Secondary. Secondary. Don't ever make primary that which is secondary. If Scripture doesn't speak about it, or if it speaks maybe just one verse, don't say so much about it. If it's over and over and over and over in Scripture, and you can go to it and you see Scripture and Scripture and Scripture that deals with this and this and this over and over and over again, you can speak loudly and proclaim those things boldly. But tread lightly concerning secondary issues. So Paul, what what do we do? And, and understand that Paul's response to the Corinthians' question was directed to the strong. It's directed to the strong. And throughout his teachings, usually that's the way it goes. He's directing it to the strong. But the message that he is addressing, the weak. He's In the, in the message to the strong. You understand what I'm saying? I kind of got that twisted almost. He is speaking to the strong, but he's speaking to the strong about the weak. Paul told the mature believers to not focus on their knowledge and their liberty, but rather to focus on the spiritual welfare of those who are less mature. That's that's the basics of what he's saying. To not focus on their knowledge and their own liberty, but rather to focus on the spiritual welfare of those who are less mature. He's saying, don't look so much at, at, at your freedom and your liberty on issues, but rather look to the need and the help that you could give to others. Here, I wrote this. Our freedom should be limited by our love for fellow believers. Would you agree with that? And I'm talking liberty. No, not, not. Our freedom should be limited by our love for fellow believers. Because if we love others as God calls us to love, we will not use our liberty in any way that will offend, confuse, or weaken another believer's faith. If we love others as God calls us to love, we will not use our liberty in any way that will offend, confuse, or weaken another believer's faith. Now, now understand this. Everybody listen. Say amen. amen. Understand this. If sin is involved, now I'm not talking about blatant sin, you see. If a fellow believer is in the midst of blatant sin, you go to them in truth that perhaps they would be convicted and repent and turn from their wicked ways and and follow the Lord. So so I I understand, I'm not talking about blatant sin. I'm talking about varying uh, uh, interpretations, various ideas and, and understandings on secondary issues. I believe that is what Paul is talking about. If sin is involved, then teach the truth. And let me tell you this. The truth of God's word when it confronts sin always offends. okay? It does. it's, it's so <laughs> this is not a message like the world oh we don't want, don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't want, don't want to offend anybody we don't want you know we gotta no if if. The truth that's directly from here offends and praise the Lord. That perhaps it will do a work in that believer to bring them back to a right understanding. So, so, so don't get confused by, by this. Because Paul is talking to the strong. Because they were enriched in spiritual knowledge. Uh, he, he opened his letter by talking about that in 1 Corinthians first chapter uh, verse 4 and 5. And, and here's what it says. this is his opening. You know, Paul, man, he had such wonderful openings of his letters. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. So, so here's the church, and, and Paul is saying, you know, you've got knowledge. And yeah, they do, they, they, they've got knowledge. Uh, They they knew that an idol was nothing. They they knew it was merely a representation of a false God who existed only in the darkened minds of those who believed such stuff. They knew that. They knew that the presence of an idol sculpture of stone or wood in a temple didn't prove that that, that that was a true God. It's just wood and stone. They knew that. So they're... Their conclusion to be able to eat this meat was logical, wasn't it? It, It's logical. An idol is nothing. It's a dead thing. So it's only logical there's meat. Meat is meat. It just just makes sense, doesn't it? It, it, it's, it's it's, (laughs) It's only logical. Well, if it was so logical, why were the weaker getting offended. Are you listening? Because you don't always solve every problem with logic. And I'm still trying to learn that one. Okay? You can't solve every problem with logic. Now listen, listen to this. Now, this is not mine. I forgot who I got this from. But this, knowledge can be a weapon to fight with or a tool to build with, depending on how it is used. That's good, isn't it? Knowledge can be a weapon to fight with or a tool to build with. You know, again, uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now concerning things offered to idol, idols, we know that we all Have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Well, what's that mean, puffs up? Well, I believe it's talking about arrogance and pride. I'm right, and I know I'm right. And why can't you see that I'm right? I know what I'm talking about here. See, that's been me a lot in my life. And maybe it's been some of you too. See, in in this case of eating meat offered to idols, they were right. That meat couldn't hurt them. And and they, they were free to eat whatever they wanted, but they were doing it regardless of what others thought and how it affected others. See, there was the problem. An egotistical feeling of superiority. Because if it puffs up, it cannot build up. I think that's true too. If it puffs up, it cannot build up. It cannot edify. Then verse two. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, <laughs> he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Now, that's kind of tough, isn't it? Uh, I was listening to John Piper try to explain that one. And, and so I, I'm not uh, here's here's all I'm gonna say about it. It is, is a, a know-it-all, arrogant attitude is just a sign of ignorance. Because this I know, this I have learned, the more and more that I learn of God's Word, the more I know I don't know it all. You know, you've heard, the it's like peeling an onion, the layers and the layers and the layers. God's Word is so deep and so wide. So these... These strong members, these strong believers were, were filled with knowledge but not filled with love. Love edifies, love builds up. And, and, and just reading over this passage of Scripture has caused me to realize how many statements I make every day that is not motivated by love. How about you? It's, it's caused me to pray that God will remind me to love each person I encounter And seek to build them up. Build them up. That they might know more of Christ, know more of His Word. You see, the the test is love. Love, love. Love and knowledge must go together. Amen? Love and knowledge must go together for it to work, for it to to be honoring to the Lord. Ephesians 4.15, you know this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. And I came across this other statement. Again, this is not mine. It says, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. That's good. You can think about that one for a while. Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. See, see, knowledge is power and must be used in love, but love must always be controlled by knowledge. And I hope we can understand that, of what that's saying. Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So what's what's Paul praying for these people? Well, first he says that that their love may abound and that it would abound in more and more knowledge. Why? That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, Till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See the strong believers in the Corinthian church had knowledge but they did not have love as they should. they, they weren't using their knowledge in love. instead of building up the weak saints, the strong Christians were were only puffing themselves up. Knowledge puffs up but love, Edifies. Here, here, let me read uh, again. A commentator, listen to this quote: When spiritual knowledge is used in love, the stronger Christian can take the hand of the weaker Christian and help him to stand and walk so as to enjoy his freedom in Christ. You cannot force feed immature believers and transform them into giants. Let me read that again. You cannot force-feed immature believers and transform them into giants. Knowledge must be mixed with love. Otherwise, the saints will end up with big heads instead of enlarged hearts. Some Christians grow. Others just swell. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. See, knowledge must be balanced by love if we're to use our Christian freedom in the right way. Amen? Because the conscience of the weak Christian is easily defiled. Let's go back, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 7. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. Because here, let me, let me pause for a minute as we're reading. When we are born again, are we a spiritual giant that knows the Bible inside and out? No. What's the Bible say we are? Babes. Babes. And it takes time for a baby to grow. It takes time for them to mature. Are they going to make mistakes along the way? Yeah. They're trying to find their way, trying to be led by the Spirit, trying to listen to godly counsel, or at least they should be. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. The babes in Christ didn't have the knowledge that that these others may have had. For some, with consciousness of the idol, they're still remembering, they're still remembering that that connection that they had with that idol when they went to that temple and offered that sacrifice and worshipped that idol, you see. For some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. And I believe because they're still considering that part of their life that they were in and grieving over that and to now to even eat that piece of meat, what to say? Being weak, their conscience is defiled. And, and they're easily wounded. And they're easily caused to stumble. That's verse 12. When, when you thus sin against the brethren, how were they sinning against the brethren? By not regarding, can I, can I say feelings? Is that okay for me to say that? by not regarding their level of maturity, by not regarding the issue that they were facing in their mind, a real issue. I think Paul puts it pretty clear. When you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, see so you, you not only sin against them, but what's to say? You sin against Christ. And again, let's, let's bring this all up to 2019. We're not talking, you know the, the, the Spirit right now is not talking to you in regard to you going and buying meat offered to idol. The Spirit should be talking to you about certain circumstances and situations in your life where you know you've been fighting over an issue or something that is of really no eternal consequence, that we would do nothing to harm. Another brethren, brother or sister. See, it might not harm, I'm going to take it back 2,000 years ago, it might not harm the mature saint to share a feast in an idol's temple if they are mature and strong and have knowledge of God and knowledge that an idol is nothing, but it might harm the weaker. You see that? We are free in Christ. But we must take care that our spiritual knowledge is tempered by love so that we do not tempt the weaker Christian to run ahead of his conscience. I thought that was pretty good. That that we would not tempt the weaker Christian to run ahead of his conscience. Recognizing you may be talking to a babe in Christ. Don't try to jerk them into an area that's over their head, so to speak. Because causing a brother to stumble is not just an offense against him, it's an offense to our Lord. That when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. But where knowledge is balanced by love, the weak Christian has the opportunity to grow and become strong. How much is Paul willing to love? Verse 13. Therefore, if food, plug in whatever may be today's issue, plug it in there. If food causes my brother, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. How much does Paul love his brother? He'll give up meat, at least in their presence. Paul sets the example, doesn't he? There may be times when we must set limits on our on our liberty for the welfare of a brother or sister in Christ. Amen? Okay, now let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Because Paul has much to say about this. You know. Let's I'm just going to read a few of the verses uh 10 verses, I guess. Uh, verse 23 through 33. Here Paul's expounding more. Paul says, "All things are lawful for me." He's talking about those things that of good conscience before the Lord, the liberty that he has, the freedom that he has in Christ. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know, in, in, in chapter 8, the strong ones, they, they were right. They were logical. They, they, an idol is nothing. But they weren't edifying, were they? All things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but not all things edify let no one seek his own but each one the other's well-being Paul will make statements like that throughout his writings won't he Eat whatever is sold in the marketplace asking no questions for conscience sake for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, you know, maybe somebody, a weaker one went along on this trip. They're sitting at the table next to you and say, this was offered to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you for conscience' sake. You see that? For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other, of the weaker. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of over the Spoken of for the food over which I give thanks. (laughs) See, That's what some people want to pound the table and ask that. Therefore, uh, see, and and here's here's the verse we know, but, but do you see it in the context of everything we're talking about now? Therefore, whether you eat or drink and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, I've taken that little verse out just by itself, and we can do that, but you see the big picture of what it's talking about. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. It pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. Freedom must be balanced by responsibility toward others. Must be balanced by love. At no time does Paul want to deny a Christian of their liberty and freedom in Christ. First uh, Timothy six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in certain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly, what? All things to enjoy. All things that are of good report. You know, you can take the... the the writings of Paul elsewhere, and and, and and define that a little bit more. The, those things are praiseworthy. There's all things, all things that we can enjoy. He, he gave us the creation. He, he gave us that we could go out and marvel at His creation. He gave us that that we could enjoy. There's a John Piper. that His, his ministry is based on in, in enjoying Christ. Joy. But we must consider others. Philippians 2 uh, verse 1 through 4. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy. My joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do you see a theme in Paul's writing? Think of others. Think of what how what you say and what you do, how is this going to affect others? Is it going to cause them to stumble? Some would say. But, but, but why, why should I have to give up my freedom? Why should I not enjoy food for which I just gave thanks? Why, why should my liberty be reduced because of another person's weak conscience? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now listen, now listen. You cannot glorify God by causing another Christian to stumble. Amen? That's why. You cannot bring glory to God if you're causing another believer to stumble. See, our own conscience. May be strong enough for us to participate in, in some activity or whatever it may be and not be harmed, but may we never use our freedom in Christ in any way that would injure a fellow Christian. That that uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verses 32-33, just by themselves. Okay. There, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as i Also, please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And know this, when Paul says, I please all men in all things, he's not suggesting that he's a compromiser. Know that. He's not a compromiser. He's not a man-pleaser. His goal is to please God and to bring many to the Father, to the gospel of Christ. I believe what he's saying is that his life and ministry were centered on helping others rather than promoting himself, rather than puffing himself up. He, he had much that he could be puffed up about. We could go read those verses. Oh, he was a Jew of Jew. He, he, he had great knowledge. He Man, all the accomplishments, all the, the pedigree that he had. But he said, I count it all as loss for the excellency of knowing Christ, that He might help others. He will forgo some liberties and freedoms to help others, to spare others grief. Now, let's do this. Let's go back in our minds some 2,000 years. How do you think some people th- thought of Paul? At times, he would eat with the Gentiles and eat food that's been offered to idols. Other times, he would eat with the Jews and only eat that which was kosher. Man, this Paul, he's mixed up. This Paul, man, he's wishy-washy. And this Paul, he don't know where he stands on things. And I'd almost guarantee you there were some people that were thinking that very thing. But they didn't understand what he was doing, did they? They, they didn't understand what, what, he, what he was doing. Let's go to the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, just uh, verses 19 through 23. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Hey, that, that's Paul. First a bondservant to Jesus Christ and then a servant to his fellow brothers and sisters. That's Paul. See, that's what people that, that would think otherwise, they, did, they didn't understand. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. That was Paul's heart, to win people for Christ. And to the Jews I became, a, became as a Jew, that I might win Jews To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be Partaker of it with you. And you, you see the heart of Paul. I have become all things to all men and understand not in compromise or sin, no, but in humility and love. At, at times, setting aside his own liberties and freedoms that he might show love to others so that he might win some. Is it okay to read more from Paul? Good. Okay, okay. So, so let's let's go to Romans 14. Some of you probably already thinking that anyway. Let's go read it. We're going to read a chunk here. It's uh, 23 verses. And again, consider the theme that runs throughout Paul's writing. Verse one: Receive one who is weak in the faith but not to disputes over doubtful things. Now let me pause here for a minute. And here I want to read John Stott. you, you read John Stott any of his stuff? I, 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 I'm pretty sure I can recommend him. Uh, I've not read a lot of his stuff, but I, I did read this. I do have his commentary on Romans. That, that came recommended by men like Piper and MacArthur and some of the others that quote John Stott. So I, so I think I'm okay there. And, and here, uh, John Stott's comment on verse 1 about, about disputes, the, the doubtful things. This can mean debates, quarrels over differing opinions. Paul is saying that we must receive the weak person with a warm and genuine welcome, without debate over his misgivings, or not for the purpose of getting into quarrels about opinions. We are not to turn the church into a debating chamber whose chief characteristic is argument. The welcome we give them must include respect for their opinions." End quote. Now, I will say this again, if their opinion is blatant error, then you address it with what? Truth. You go to God's word and you speak truth. We always stand for truth. But I thought that was good. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. See, now here we're going from from idle meat to, to the vegetarian. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And we're talking about brothers and sisters here. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Why do you believe this? Why do you feel this way? You'd better be fully convinced about it. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. Wait a minute, Paul. They're they're both observing this as unto the Lord? Yes. He who eats... Eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. Now, Paul, you're just setting us up for a big fight. That's what you're doing, Paul. Come on now. You're saying both sides are right. That can't be. (laughs) What's he saying? Consider one another. That's what he's saying. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Hey, remember, you brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't live to ourselves, we don't die to ourselves. For for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in a brother's way. I know and i am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of, myself, of itself. Now, Paul's coming back to his liberty, isn't he? He's coming back to his liberty. I know. He has knowledge. He has, he has knowledge beyond anything I could come close to. He, I, I know and I am convinced. He, he's convinced. He, 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 in his own, he has made up his mind about it, you see. Convinced in his mind. He knows that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is what? It's unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, and put in, p- put in today's issue, put it in there. If your brother is grieved because of your, plug it in, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food, with your issue, the one whom Christ died for. Woe. Because we're talking brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? Why would we offend someone whom Christ died for? Therefore, Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. (laughs) No kidding. It's not not of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in, in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Serve Christ. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify one another. And the theme over and over. I, okay, Paul, I'm getting it, I'm getting I'm starting to get it. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for the sake of this petty issue I've got. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Goes back to what he said in 1 Corinthians, doesn't it? It is neither. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Did you hear that? It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Or do anything. Or do anything. Or do anything. See, there's, there's where in this age and in this time and in this season we can plug in. And they ask a question. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy. (laughs) Happy. Don't you want to be happy? Don't you want to be joyful? I do. I do. I don't want to get bogged down in things and just have a frown on my face. I want to be happy in the Lord. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Talking liberty, liberty. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because... He does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. James four seventeen. I think we can. I think we can apply this there too. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what sin. Can can I paraphrase that to say? Therefore, to him. Who knows not to do something, and they do it anyway. To him, it's sin. You see, may our freedoms and liberty be tempered with love. With liberty comes great responsibility. You see, sometime in in this state, uh, after you turn sixteen, you you have the freedom if if it's okay with mom and dad to go and take a driver's test and get a driver's license if you pass the test and you do all the stuff. But that that does not give you the liberty to go out and drive any way you want to. You can't go out and drive. You can, I guess, drive down the wrong side of the road on a one-way. You can run through all the stoplights, but but there's rules, there's laws, there's things there. There's responsibility that comes with that freedom. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you understand that? And there's responsibility that comes with the, with the freedom and liberties that we have as mature Christians. I hope that's the point that is driven home today. Warren Wearsby made a little list, he gave me that book. And this is in regard to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 and 24. We don't need to put that up there. I'm just going because that's where Paul said, uh, all things are lawful, but, and, and here Wearsby made this little list, and I thought it was good to consider. All things are lawful, but will they lead to freedom or slavery? All things are lawful, but will they make me a stumbling block or a stepping stone? All things are lawful, but will they build me up or tear me down? All things are lawful, but will they only please me or will they glorify God? That's a good question. All things are lawful, but will they help to win the loss to Christ or turn them away? Paul said, I've become all things to all men. Why? That he might win some. So the way that we use our freedom our liberty and relate to others indicates whether we are the strong or the weak. But Both the strong and the weak need to work together in love to edify one another and glorify Jesus Christ. One more verse. Acts 24 verse 16. This being so and, and, and here, I'm going to, with everything we read, with the Scripture that we read today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it and I'm going to, with this being so, with this being said, everything that we've read, with all of this, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Is that my prayer every day? Is that your prayer Make it, make it. Let's make this our prayer. To strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. That everything that we would say and do, we could do with a clear conscience knowing that we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we're walking in the truth of God's Word, we're not causing a brother or sister to stumble over petty things, getting into arguments and disputes over petty things, which compared to Eternity is just ridiculous that we would get into an argument over some little something. But that we might grow together in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I give you thanks for your word. Oh, it's convicted me. Lord, just keep keep working on me. Keep molding me. <laughs> uh, you know, I... Your word is a mirror. boy. It causes me to see myself. I pray that it's done that to everybody that's here this morning. That we could get a clear view of how we've been. Let us use our memories to go back a little bit and just think of perhaps how we treated some people. Perhaps some people that were struggling with an issue and we just rolled over them in our liberty. So Father, forgive me. Forgive us. Help us, Lord, to be compassionate and in our compassion and love that, that we, we stand for truth. And so Lord, help me and help us all that we could speak the truth in love. Help us to, to see those times or those moments where we need to forgo some of our liberty those things we know that we have a clear conscience toward, that we might forego some of those things so that we might help someone who is struggling in certain areas. So Father, help us as a body of believers to consider others. Consider others more greater than self. And Lord, may we always keep You high and exalted, and Christ high and exalted. And that we would be led by the Spirit. And Lord, help us to know what that means. Help us to know what that looks like. Help us to know what that that is to each and every one of us. Help us to know what it is to, to worship in spirit and truth. So Father, help us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.